0: See it coming. The podcast about brands that learn from the past, are looking to the future, and are profiting because of it today. I'm your host, Mark Stoiber. Just a short while ago, I um, volunteered my services at a a local tech incubator to uh, work with startups. Creating better presentations for them because uh, if you if you at all if you have any experience in the startup world you know that that um, startup companies may have a terrific product but oftentimes they have a terrible pitch and if you have a terrible pitch you ain't got nothing so I I was working uh, working with startups working on their pitches and I also as part of that um, reached out to investors who were coming to town to take a look at these pitches because one of the best ways to create an effective pitch is to know who you're pitching to and what they want to hear. Now, one of the people that I talked to uh, was Mark Howe from San Diego. And Mark and I got talking about pitches, and as often happens, the conversation went from one thing to another, and he told me about his startup. He's not just an investor. Uh, His startup, which is called Shopswell. And Shopswell intrigued me. And uh, this is not uh, going to be a conversation about investment. This is going to be a conversation about the future of brands. Because what Shopswell does, and Mark's going to explain it to us in depth, is actually replace the idea of paid persuasion, which I used to belong to in the ad community, and brings back the truth. And, uh, you know, we've seen a lot of back and forth, how we're, we're using influencers and how we're using reviews and honest customers and how that whole process has been perverted. Well, Shopswell has, I think, a solution to this. But I want to dig into it in the service of brands that are looking for a way forward. Mark, that's a big setup. I hope you can live up to it
1: boy oh boy that's going to be tough yeah it's great to, It's great to have a chance to talk mark i'm I'm looking forward to the conversation all all of the pieces that you described are obviously really important to me. I think you know having lived as an entrepreneur enough for for longer than I want to share i I think that um the pitch process is really important and happy to share insights there. You're absolutely right that a pitch has to be oriented for the audience uh second thing is obviously shopswell is really dear to my heart and third thing is brand we're a consumer facing startup shopswell is and and brand is something that um as a startup you have to you have to attach to strongly out of the gates and and uh, it has to become a philosophy it has to become something that you live by and it has to be something that ultimately your customer can believe about you and then can't believe anything else about you and uh that can be a challenge, but it's, it's absolutely worthwhile. Um, so where, where do you want to go first? Truth. Okay. The truth. truth. Yeah. Truth the is truth. a
0: slippery thing. You know, um, we always used to say <laughs> in advertising, our job is the truth well told, but if you actually work in advertising, what you discover is you've got a lot of Parody products are products that are kind of commodities and all kind of the same. And so what you do, you take one little attribute of the product and you blow that up like it's the second coming. And uh, you know you sliced your bread a little thinner or a little thicker and you turn that into just a huge thing. That isn't really the truth. That's uh, a bit of snake oil. And uh, and what we found was that we we we, def- we we disfigured products and we we bent them out of shape. Uh, based on these little teeny tiny advantages. Now I go to I go to Shopswell, and people are saying uh, I see these p- p- folks reaching out saying, "Hey, folks, can can anybody find me a flat back semi precious gemstone <laughs> ring?" And I'm go I didn't even know that existed, but uh, they're reaching out and saying, "Can anybody find me this? And can anybody tell me what's what's good and what's not?" So that's how Shopswell works.
1: Yeah that's that's there's sort of the people people come to shopswell for a variety of reasons um but fundamentally what 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 the primary goal at shopswell is is for people to share their own truth their own lived experience with other consumers um to pop up a level and just address what you were talking about with respect to advertising we think that the cracks are starting to show in the e-commerce ecosystem and when you think about it the risks to um the internet If trust disappears, in particular around e commerce, are substantial because we're buying things unseen, we're buying things untouched, we're buying things that we don't know. And so if uh, trust continues to erode when we see fake reviews, we see uh rigged search results. We see uh, price comparison engines that aren't recommending the best price. Mm-hmm. Uh, we all, we all know that more and more, um, we're being, we're being, uh, lied to or marketed mm-hmm. to some version of that and somewhere or somewhere in between. So what we decided to do is create a community where consumers told each other their truth, um, and their experience. And what we do is we, we, we do two things. We measure the quality of engagement with the content that people generate. They can generate lists. Maybe you're going camping and here's the kit you need. Um, They can generate reviews of products, things that they've used and love. They can actually – some of them can write – and some of them do a beautiful job writing articles. And those articles are – can be – can range from anything about how to make the perfect macaroni and cheese and where you buy the ingredients to um, what the best uh, solar charging – panel is for your for your for your car Mm -hmm. and where you buy it and and so what we find is that people with experience sharing their truth whether it has grammatical errors or not in it or whether it's written in in shakespeare's prose it's it's obviously honest and then it's obviously resonant and so we've created an algorithm that measures uh, the amount of time and engagement that people spend with the content that they're in, that they're connecting to, and that gives us a signal. And we raise up the things that have higher signal, and we push down the things that are obviously shill. Um, and as a result, what's happening is two things: one is the content that we're lifting up turns out to be really attractive, and other channels are wanting to publish it because it's resonant and consumers love it. They get a sen- they really get a sense that something interesting is going on. Um, so we're growing, we've grown at over 60% month over month, uh, unpaid traffic for the last three months. And, and that's super exciting. Um, and, and as a result, people are happy. Um, with well, the second thing that we do is we reward people who create the best content. And we do that by measuring, by looking at those engagement statistics and looking at the people who are creating the most engaging content, not the content that sells. Cause frankly, we're not rewarded by sales at this point. So we don't care about sales. Um, and we think that, One of the problems at an overarching level, going all the way back to the advertising intro that you gave, is that advertising has misaligned incentives. Mm -hmm. Um, So what happens is a consumer is looking for something. They're looking for an answer to a problem. They're looking for something that they need. Uh, They want to buy the best thing at the best price from the best place. And what happens is pretty much now, wherever they go on the internet – the, uh, the incentives are misaligned. So if you go to Amazon, Amazon's got to sell their inventory. If you go to Google, Google's going to give you the top ranked things who's, who are bidding the highest for their, for their search traffic. Um, and it goes, and it's, and so it goes from there and, and there's nothing wrong with those things. Those are all good things. But what's happened is there's no one in the middle who's saying, okay, what, who's working solely for the consumer who's working exclusively to help them find the best thing at the best price from the best store. And how is that going to happen? So we think they have to do it for each other.
0: It's, it's funny because, you know, standing on the outside and, and going to Amazon and thinking it's this amazing thing and reading the reviews, thinking that the reviews are going to guide you to the right place. It, it, it feels like a real letdown when you discover that a lot of these guys are paid to write that stuff and, and that there's, you know, no end of the scams of review swapping. I, I remember when I published my book. Um, that there was all these schemes that I could buy into where I could get 500 great reviews if I gave 500 great reviews, and you're going, it's yeah. just, it's just, it's lowbrow cheating. It's not even, it's not even sophisticated James Bond cheating. It's lowbrow cheating. It'll
1: know? get better. <laughs> it'll oh, get better. If there's man. one thing you laugh at, it'll get better. The internet always gets better or worse. I don't oh. know what to say. But, know, but it's, it's just the,
0: the concept that you know you you figure out something clean and pure, which is consumer reviews on something, you go, I can trust that. And then they manage to pervert that by going, well, you know, if we sway it this way, the guy'll pay us more for his, for selling his book. Yeah. You know, it's it's a it's a it's a it's a it's a disheartening proposition, you know?
1: mm mm-hmm. So I sp- I like part of the conversation, I think, because a lot of people you work with are other founders. I want to just pop up for a second and talk about brand. Mm-hmm. Um you know, I've had past experience at a company called DivX, where uh, we did some really interesting things with brand, and then um, current experience um, brand is critical to us. We're trying really, really hard to uh, hold hold on to a notion of being helpful mm-hmm. and being and being authentic. And those are so when we everything we do, whether it's building algorithms to measure engagement and statistics around content. Um, coming to all, the way that we reward people coming to the way that we word everything, those, all of those things plumb up and into those two sort of words. Can we, can we retain, um, authenticity and can we be helpful? Uh, you know, that, that those, because at some point we hope that those things will become the way pe- consumers describe us, you know, yeah. and then, uh, the power of brand, if, if it starts to take root, um, is where it is, where it is new, It can be explosive, and, yeah. you know that and so but it's hard it's hard work because you have to you have to invest in a philosophy and and that philosophy can can uh, cost you time and energy
0: well it it's, it's integrity and integrity don't come cheap you can't buy integrity you can't invent integrity you have to live integrity and you have to live it for a long long time before people go he's got integrity you know yeah. it's like patagonia i always I always fall back on patagonia they're my they're my poster boy for great companies and I look at Yvon Schwenard, and he started making his mountaineering gear because he just couldn't find anything else. And so he made it for himself so he can go out and climb mountains. And other people wanted it, and they started buying it. And it's almost like he, he begrudgingly started to make it for people, and then they started to pay him money. And he thought, well, hell, I guess I may as well. But nah. it, wasn't, it wasn't why he, he made it. He didn't make it to make a fortune. He made it because he wanted some gear that wouldn't have him fall off the side of the mountain. And that's integrity, and they still they live that way. You know, they they still they still spend a lot of money. They tell you what's wrong with their gear, which I think is fantastic. And despite becoming a very popular, powerful company, they still live that. And as a result of that integrity, I remember talking to um, Rick Ridgway, who is is uh, their head of sustainability, and he said, you know, during the big recession when everybody was dying. They were—they uh, had like a ski slope, uh, um, uh, but in the right direction. Sales curve all around the world. People were paying ninety dollars for a shirt in Japan from Patagonia in the, in the middle of the the economic meltdown because they wanted something real, you know. Yep. And that's the power of a brand. A brand can be a good thing as well as a slippery thing. It's gotten a bad reputation in the years after World War II. But, um, yeah, I think you're on to something here. Now, I, let's talk, let's dig a little bit about how the, the, the whole, the market around chasing consumers around and how it's become more sophisticated. You talk about the Internet getting better. And, sure. you know, I, I love this example of remarketing, which to me was described in breathless tones just a few months ago, that you know you go look for a pair of shoes on a website, and suddenly those shoes start to follow you around wherever you go and It was described in a positive way, but i found it I found it kind of creepy actually to find those shoes walking around behind me wherever I went, you know knowing that somebody's watching me go, "Aha here, show them some shoes yeah uh, well it's a tell- good
1: thing that it's shoes I mean you know, <laughs> we end up with the craziest things If you have all different kinds of people using your computer um mm-hmm. You can end up with really strange things. The, the internet is getting enormously powerful, and, 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 and like you said, it's a bit invasive. I think more and more we'll find um, the devices are listening. And so you'll mm-hmm. start to see ads show up around things you were talking about, which mm-hmm. is really, if you think that's, it's pretty, pretty thrash, that's that would frightening, be, right? Yeah, it's terrifying, but it does happen already. And it's going to continue to happen because, um, because of the way the laws are, the laws are chasing the technology and the technologists are running as fast as they can away from, from the, uh, from the laws. Anyway, we're, we're in an interesting situation where, where, remarketing works. If it didn't work, people wouldn't do it. But unfortunately what it also means is that you're paying for that. You know, and the Mm -hmm. thing that Shopswell is about and our brand is about is is trying to uh reduce that invasive uh that invasive aspect of, of the shopping and e commerce experience. We believe that that if you know a place if you can go to a place where the information is available for you and, and honest then, then you'll just continue to go there So this like you you know like you say if you build a brand it, it starts to have gravity and starts to attract people over time and as it gains momentum it's harder and harder to stop that momentum. So that's our investment we don't know whether it'll pay off or not and it's hard because we have to find investors who truly believe in that as well and um, that's an expensive proposition it takes time you know um, if you look at the growth curve of Pinterest as an example, it took a long time before they hit that that um, that curve,
0: and they had they had extremely patient investors. Yeah, it, you it, know, it, it bothers me though. Because, I mean, I've done a lot of native advertising too, or, or you know, native advertising. We used to call advertorials back in the day, where you'd buy an ad on one side of the page, and then you wrote a little story about that product on the other side of the page. Everybody knew it was an ad. We all shook hands and smiled. Yeah. Um, and now we're doing. Uh, I'm doing stories, and we call it native advertising, where. You know, you write an editorial about a product, and uh, you write it as if it was editorial, or not editorial, as if it was news, and it's not. And, uh, you know, if you get a really good writer, they can can sneak that product in there, but the purpose of that article isn't to convey any news. It isn't to give people value, it's to, to sell a product using a very, very smart writer. And the premise, uh, what, I, what I find is, the premise is still wrong. What it, you know, it's not the, the product living on its own merit, it's having somebody persuade you using increasingly sophisticated tools. I just wanted to take a quick break here in the interview and uh, take a moment to describe uh, a product that I created. Uh, I know this isn't a Shopswell interview, and, and this isn't an unbiased report on this product. It's called branddiy.com, brand, and then DIY. Com. Uh, but I can tell you that it is a product that has seen a lot of uptake from p- entrepreneurs, especially people who want to build a powerful brand but can't afford to pay a big ad agency to do it. So check it out. Uh, it starts at an extremely reasonable price. And if you type in DIY, Ten, you get a 10% discount on that already discounted price. So check it out. Let me know what you think. And hey, if in the spirit of Shopswell, you like what you see, feel free to write a review. Now let's get back to our interview. The the, the thing that that scares me about Shopswell is that how are you going to control if somebody isn't being bought in a very sophisticated way?
1: You know, it's, yeah. There, I think there'll be edge cases, and it's going to be work. It's going to be an ongoing process, like it is with everybody. But two things separate us from the competition. One is that we're not, we we don't imagine ever being incentivized by sale. We ultimately think we'll make we'll make our revenue by um, by providing increased increasingly accurate data. Um, uh, to the marketplace uh, about trends and and related products, for example. So if if I'm just going to give you a quick example, if if a a person is going camping and they build a shopping list of this of a kit, it's a lantern, a sleeping bag, a tent, and things that they've bought and purchased together, the retail vendors for those products unless they're working and getting free data or getting data from Amazon, which Amazon is not very kind and doesn't really want to share the data. They don't always know that those products belong together semantically. They don't, they don't understand that they could be marketing those products together. They could be marketing them in ways that make sense. So places like target and Walmart, Walmart will care about product associations and the actual manufacturers of those products will care about those associations and they'll care about the types of people who are buying them. And so all that data, um, no, depersonalized becomes extremely valuable over time so you know we're 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 making our bet that that's where the opportunity will lie um, so that allows us to separate ourselves from the the individual sale. Uh, Amazon is, is is connected to the sale. Google essentially sells your eyeballs to the highest bidder and by doing so they they've basically said whoever is making the most profit on the sale of their product is going to be able to bid the highest for those search terms and so that means that the consumer is, is actually shouldering the, the burden of that those costs, you know. Right. And so we're we're fundamentally we think that if if we can can disconnect the profit From the sale that we can realign incentives and provide a a better experience over time. So that's the first thing is that we're not going to be rewarding sales and we're not going to be rewarded for sales the same way that a a retailer would, we hope. And the second thing that we aspire to is – is actually algorithmically paying attention to data in a different way um we're going to watch and measure engagement we're going to measure and watch time on site time on a page we're going to watch where you go after those pages and we're not going to watch you personally but we're going to watch the data associated with the the trending traffic and the and the consumer engagement and then we're going to um we're going to we're going to reward the content that's most valuable and de- depress the content that's clearly shill. Um, right. So one of the things you have to done- be,
0: I mean, this is one of those things where you have to be more ethical than a Supreme Court judge. This is, well, a lot more ethical than a Supreme Court judge. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you have to be, you know, the only thing you have going for you is your integrity, which is an awesome, good thing, but it's something that you have to take very seriously.
1: Yeah. We'll see. I mean, we, we have to invest heavily in it. Um, there, there's, there's going to be a place, there's going to be a line where we, where, where I think it, it slips, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't think it's going to be perfect. I think it's just going to be good. It's going to be better. If it can be better, the the thing about this is what we talked about sort of with respect to retargeting. It's not perfect. It's just better. Mm-hmm. It's a way it's better at what it does. The internet is about moving the bar. And if we can start to move the bar, and stay brand consistent, then ultimately uh, the marketplace, the consumers, if, they, if they're enjoying us, they'll, they'll, they'll come with us.
0: Now, there's one thing I want to inject right there. When I started working in, in the green movement, when I built my green ad agency, what I quickly discovered is that consumers don't want perfect. What they want is honesty and the, 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 the sense that you're transparent and say, ah, shit, we just screwed up. Mm. you know and they they love hearing that because that's something when i remember working in brands brands never would admit a mistake and we still have that aura that brands will cover stuff up they're they're you know they don't want to show any tint uh, any any scratch in the varnish and that's what made patagonia so powerful things like the footprint chronicles where they said here's where we make our shirt here's where we design the shirt we don't like that we have to cross the globe to do all this we don't know what to do about it sure it's not what we want we want we want to make this better that they're coming out and criticizing their own stuff people love that they don't they know that we've created over 400 years of industrial revolution something that's far from perfect and that it's not going to be fixed in 20 years yeah uh but they what they want is somebody who comes out and goes ah crap you know yeah. we got it wrong again can can somebody help us get out of this mess
1: for a startup your point is so salient i mean it is so bang on mark because fundamentally what we need to do is make a gesture and then see if the world cares
0: mm-hmm.
1: and for us it's moving the bar you know and we're not going to be perfect we've already got we've already seen we're not perfect but um, we already see the odd person trying to creep in there, and all we do is we study that stuff, and then we learn from it, and then we try to push it down and try to lift up the good stuff. It's just the way it's going to be, um, and it'll be forever thus. If we're, the more successful we are, the more challenging it'll become, and that's you know been true of everybody, and I think that's actually probably true of of Amazon in what they do. They they do a phenomenal job, but your your point it, 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 from startup just at, at an abstract level what you do is you make a gesture your website's never everybody thinks oh airbnb was perfect design blah 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 from the start no it was not it was a pile of junk but what happened is they made a gesture and people embraced that enough people that it, there was a spark and then the spark turned into a flicker and the flicker turned into a flame and then mm-hmm. and they had time and they had investors in this particular case they had venture backed investors or venture venture f- funding and and they had time to evolve what they did. And it's not it's not an overnight. Everybody thinks it's an overnight. It's the same with Pinterest. You know, all of these things, they start somewhere, they make a gesture, the gesture resonates and people gravitate to it or they don't. It's hard. It's really, really hard, and there's definitely no guarantees more of us fail than than win. But I love your point anyway. I love that that notion that had is the same i've got a I got a coffee coffee maker here in san diego a guy who roasts beans he flies all over the world now he can afford to um but he even from the outset he, he flew to very remote places and met with individual farmers because he believed that the top one to two percent of the beans were worth the effort and he brought them back and he ro- roasts them with extreme care and he's created a product that's scaling and he's kind of a curmudgeon when you first meet him it's got a an awkward user interface he's not super gregarious and he He's not the kind of retail personality that you would expect um, would be extremely successful, but he makes a damn good product. And like you, just like your yeah, just like your Patagonia story, he stuck to a brand. He had a premise: if I go get them and they're the best, and I roast them with care, it'll be fantastic. And as a result, his product is better. I can't tell you if it's the best, but it's notably better. He moved the bar, and he does it with class.
0: You know, there's uh, there's another one. My another one of my. Um, favorite companies is Taylor Guitars, and I met Bob yeah. Taylor. They're in San Diego. That's and, right. And uh, and they're actually one of the inspirations for for uh, what we're doing. Oh, there you go. Yeah. So yeah. I met Bob Taylor when I was in 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 the uh, back in the Green Days, and uh, we got along like a house on fire, and. Um, I, I I remember, you know, one of these things where you, you meet somebody and you just stay connected with them, he tells you about what they're up to and how they're trying to create a better source of wood for their guitars, because he thinks, quite frankly, the whole supply chain stinks. And yeah. you're hearing this from the boss of the company, and he really gives a damn. And uh, I remember, too, though, one of, the, one of the coolest things was this comes into other areas because that sort of a personality has other attributes where, you know, if he gives a damn about the wood, he gives a damn about the customers, too. I remember I, had a Taylor, I have a Taylor guitar, and something went wrong with the electronics. And I went to the guitar shop, and they go, I don't know, man. I don't know what we're going to do. And I said, hold on. Let me just call Bob Taylor. And so I called him up. And I said, Bob, what, what am I going to do about this? And he says, hold on, let me get me a, you know, John or somebody. And it's, it's hilarious because I had these guys at the guitar shop going, Bob freaking Taylor is fixing guitars. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it was really yeah. funny. But you just go, the guy who picks up the phone and goes, yeah, hold on, we'll fix that for you. No problem. And, yeah. and they put me onto the guy who gave us the right manual, who instructed my guys how to fix it. And it was done inside of 20 minutes, you know. And look, I just you love just that.
1: described that whole thing to me. What you just described is what the investors in the marketplace and startup call ruthless focus. He knows what he wants his customer's experience to be all the way down, and mm-hmm. he's stuck to that. And. I've got I've got a secret weapon or two inside of, of Shopswell that are that are exactly like that. I've got um, actually there's three. There's two of them that create content all day long, and they create content which resonates and and gives examples. And then I've got a curmudgeon inside who runs runs my product group, and he won't let us. He won't let guys like me sparkle and run around all over the place. He keeps us exactly on track and makes sure that we continue to offer the things that that uh, consumers are embracing. So it, I,
0: I think we have a shot. It, it's 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 as old as time it's as old as humanity just integrity and yeah. and it's a very uncomfortable thing because money bends integrity it's a very easy to corrupt integrity when you get a swimming pool and a fancy car um and you've got a you've got a stake to protect you know it's it's hard to protect your integrity. It's a difficult, difficult thing. Let's let's move on. Um, yeah, I want to have that conversation. That's oh, geez, yeah, we're, that's, <laughs> that we can well we can talk to the end of until the end of time on. You,
1: that. You, you described me as coming from San Diego, but I'm originally I'm originally from Victoria, from Canada, and yeah, yeah. so. So uh, you know, I, I I launched myself into the capitalist pool, and I have all kinds of philosophical beliefs. So that'll be a conversation we have next time we meet in person.
0: Yeah, you can interview me on that because I I, uh, I try yeah. to find my integrity, but it keeps getting lost. You know, <laughs> um, you talked you brought up data, and uh, one of the things that I hear again and again, I've, I've lived through this uh, many times, um, where there's a constant sort of a uncomfortable tension between the creative and the and the analysts. It was, you know, the, 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 the researchers, if you watched Mad Men, uh, they used to do great creative work, and then the researchers came in with the numbers, telling them exactly what people wanted to see, and it was a big revolt uh, up until the day when I left advertising, that was an ongoing thing. Also, then we had, um, you know, we had the technologists come in, I built an online department, you know, when, when the internet became a thing, and, and we built an online department so we could do online advertising. And I remember the day my creative director from online said, Mark, in a couple of years, you're going to be selling pencils and apples on the street corner because it's all going to be online. And then, of course, the dot-com bubble happened. And I wasn't selling pencils on the street corner. He was. Um, and then it came back. That, 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 sounds, that sounds a bit bitter, doesn't it? No, no it sounds karmic. There seems to be this ongoing battle between uh, people who have the creativity and the magic and the people who have the data. And the analysis, and it seems very much now, um, I remember having a conversation with another gentleman a short while ago that the companies that are going to succeed in the next 10 years are going to be the companies that know how to use data effectively. Where does the creative come back into this process? The sparkle, the magic? Is, there, is that gone forever or is it going to be just relentlessly chasing people with data with the shoes that track them wherever they go? It's going to be both. We're gonna. The data is going to
1: get increasingly
0: powerful. It's getting exponentially more powerful. So that's absolutely
1: true. But if you look at the evolution of the internet and the gaming industry, is often a, a canary in the coal mine for that that um, evolution. You see that the creative personalities, the creators, the people who can mix design with a little bit of code, those people are extremely highly sought after. And the the event horizon for their opportunity is exploding with VR and AI. Um, and actually, there's a, a software um, – What's it, there's a gaming language company in Victoria. Yeah, I worked with them.
0: With, yeah, Skookum yeah. Script. I was going to bring that up because uh, for folks who, who don't are familiar with Skookum Script, Skookum Script was created by a place called Agog Labs. A G O G Labs. A L L A B S. And I, I, I went through their process and essentially the uh, the thing is there's a there's a separation between the coders who are the guys sitting in the dark room and the creatives the guys who are saying let's have this guy shoot up that guy in 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 gaming yep. and if i want a guy to shoot up this guy in a particular way i have to cross the hallway and talk to a coder who may or may not understand what i'm talking about and give me something that may or may not reflect what's in my mind and with scookum script it cuts out that terribly cumbersome process of Mm -hmm. broken telephone and waiting for days if not weeks to get what i want so i can actually code uh the guy going and shooting up another guy in a a particular way so it puts the control back in the hands of the creatives and i thought wow there it is
1: and if you look at the way vr is exploding it's all creative it's all i mean it's all storytelling so i think i think that both of those, I mean those. I mean, the way that this the internet is exploding now, it's just the, both of those arenas are going to be um, they're going to be unstoppable. And so I've got you know if you look if I, if I look look at what my sixteen year old is taking in in uh, in high school, where she's being encouraged, we 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 we're investing heavily in in her uh, education around. Um, data computing and science, absolutely. But also in the creative side, she's got a natural artistic talent, and she loves to um, she loves to tell stories and be creative. And we think that they're both, and the intersection is where the magic is going to occur. And so we don't know. I don't think we know for sure. But I can tell you that um, that the, both of those marketplaces are, are where the dollars are flowing rapidly right now. Mm -hmm. And so I think, you know, I think that we'll just continue to see those evolve very fast. We're never going to get away from advertising chasing us, um, as long as it's effective and selling product. That's, that's the, you know, that's, it's very difficult to get noticed and the big companies have the dollars and the dollars, um, are spent in trying to assert control. And the only way to wrest control from from the largest players and the largest monopolies is to create revolution, to create a lot of relationships with a lot of consumers. Because that is what gives you brand, that is what gives you power and that was give you that's
0: what gives you autonomy. Um, if Why you think also- about I also look at I also look at um, you know one of the things that one of the reasons folks need advertising is because uh, following the Second World War we started to create mass production and not every product could be remarkable all the time and sell on its own merits and so you had to find an advantage for a pretty unremarkable product you know white processed flour say you Mm -hmm. know and Mm -hmm. so you had to persuade people because on its own it didn't have any merit. And yep. so, uh, you know, I, 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 when I moved over, I sold my company uh, to an innovation firm and I started to do innovation. I became this apostle for, um, you know, if a product is just designed well enough, it'll sell on its own. And, but unfortunately for 99% of the products, that's just like people. They're not remarkable. They're average. And so, but they still want to make a living these products. So yeah. there's always going to be advertising, pushing products that are unremarkable and finding something nice about them but uh geez, there's a would, whole yeah it'd there's be a nice whole nice to know that's again that's another 5 hour conversation I
1: get, I agree like if you think about it like you know there's a whole process now that's evolved for for unremarkable products so you take you know if you're a big 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 food manufacturer what you do is you watch for the most remarkable products as they emerge and you go and buy their companies and then you de remarkably
0: them yeah, <laughs> exa- well them that's apart. the big thing that's what everybody's worried about with unilever
1: right? replace the, yeah replace the replace the quality bits with commodities so that you can save on money and take the quality down but keep the brand value as up as you can for as long as you can and juice it
0: exactly exactly
1: yeah,
0: so, um, so, you um, know, we're we're just, we're just we're just what we've what we've done is back ended ourselves into a whole bunch of new conversations here. So, but we good. can't do that now. Shopswell, S H O P S W E L L. Check it out, um, Mark. Yeah. If folks want to get a hold of you, uh, you're on LinkedIn. If I, you know, it's easy to find you. Shopswell, uh, Mark Howe, San Diego. Shopswell, LinkedIn. It'll it'll triangulate you. It'll find you. Thank you so much for coming aboard. It's
1: great meeting you at the at Tectoria and would love to uh, help any of your your entrepreneurs that are looking for fundraising. I'm happy to help with coaching. At least um, awesome, we'll see where things
0: go. Awesome, man! And also, if you want to, you know, if you want to buy me to pump a product for you on Shopswell, <laughs> I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not surprised that I sold out. Go just do out it cheap. yourself.
1: Go <laughs> do it yourself. Share, share, share what you love with people, and they'll love you back.
0: Awesome. Talk to
1: you. Nice talking to you. Thanks. Thank you.
0: You've been listening to Didn't See It Coming, the podcast about brands that learn from the past, are looking to the future, and are profiting because of it today. I'm your host, Mark Stoiber. If you want to get a hold of me, drop me an email at mark M-A-R-C, at markstoiber.com. M-A-R-C-S-T-O-I-B-E-R.com. Have a good one.